This podcast provides audio versions of live webinars. Please see the episode description for a link to the full presentation. Welcome to Listen In, a bite-sized bio podcast series allowing you to access the best of bite-sized bio webinars wherever you are. Hello everyone, this is Jennifer Swift welcoming you to this course webinar, which is brought to you by the Bite-Size Bio Science Writer Academy. The Bite-Size Bio Science Writer Academy is the place to come if you're interested in launching a career in science writing. With our writer onboarding courses, we'll provide you with all the tools you need to perfect your science prose. We'll walk you through getting started in science writing, writing for the web, creative writing techniques for scientists and much more. Why not visit us at sciencewriteracademy.bitesizebio.com where you'll find more information about some of our upcoming courses and how Bitesize Bio can help you kickstart your science writing career. Today's presentation is titled Top Tips for Writing a Research Poster and is being presented by Dr. Adam Pawson, Senior Managing Editor at Bitesize Bio. Adam received his PhD in Chemical Pathology and Pharmacology from the University of Cape Town before moving to Edinburgh, where he spent 12 years as a postdoctoral fellow and senior investigator scientist at the Medical Research Council Human Reproductive Sciences Unit. He then joined the IUFAR BPS Guide to Pharmacology database team at the University of Edinburgh Centre for Discovery Brain Sciences, where he was senior database curator for almost 10 years. Adam joined the Bite Size Bio editorial team in April 2021. Now, as always, we'll have a question and answer session after the presentation, so please type any questions that you have during the presentation into the questions box, which appears on the bottom panel of your screen, and I'll put those questions to Adam at the end of the presentation. And a link to view the recording of this presentation will be sent to you in due course. So now, over to you, Adam, for the presentation. Well, thanks for the introduction, Jen, and welcome along, everyone. Today, I'm going to walk you through how you can prepare for design and present a poster that everyone will want to visit and hear about. I split this presentation into three broad sections, starting with some considerations and preparations you can do before you actually start designing your fabulous poster. We'll then uh, work through the actual process of designing the poster, including a title and how you choose one, uh, which sections to include, um, what fonts and colors to avoid. And then finally, we'll explore the art of presenting your poster to give your audience the best possible experience. So let's dive straight in. So beginning with some of the key considerations and pre-planning you can do before um, you start designing your posters. So uh, things like giving careful thought to who your audience is likely to be, what you want to tell your audience, and how you can plan your content before you start designing your poster. These are really important considerations because they'll save you time in the long run. You don't want to spend hours designing your poster only to have your mentor tell you that you've chosen the wrong project to present, if you're lucky to have uh, more than one project, or that people will struggle to understand much of the content because you've pitched it outside the scope of, your of the conference that you're attending or even that the primary focus of your poster is all wrong and you've chosen the wrong experiments to highlight. So the first thing to bear in mind is that you should start your preparation early and give yourself plenty of time to 
to get things right. You may be amazing at poster creation and feel like you can put it off designing your poster until the week before you fly to the conference, but you really need to give a lot of time before your poster goes to printing. Um, you probably need to share your, your poster with colleagues or collaborators so that they can review it and give them time to, um, to feed back uh, to you uh, about any potential changes. Next, you need to carefully um, read the instructions and guidelines uh, for both your poster and your abstract. Most conferences start accepting abstract submissions many, many months before the actual event, and uh, there are usually some very strict deadlines to meet uh, for getting your, your abstract in on time so that it can be reviewed and hopefully accepted. Um, you should always follow the conference rules when writing your abstract or designing your poster. If you don't, things can really go wrong. For example, your abstract might not be accepted. And remember that organizers will have hundreds, if not thousands of abstracts to review, and you don't want to annoy the reviewing panel with poorly formatted abstract. Also, it's really important to put together an attention-grabbing abstract. Attendees often scan abstract booklets before the conference. So, you can grab their attention early with a catchy title and a well-structured, easy to read and understand abstract. And then there's a good chance that they'll make a note of it and, and visit it when they get to the conference. Another example of where things can really go wrong if you don't read the guidelines and start early is represented in this image um, on the right over here, where you could rock up at the conference only to find that your post is in the wrong orientation. Now, I'm not saying that's what happened to this particular person. Perhaps they are reusing a poster from a very recent conference because they didn't have time to reformat it and get it reprinted in the right orientation for this particular conference. But if you start early um, and start your preparation early, then you can avoid um, uh, em embarrassments like this. It's also important to keep your poster um, as simple as possible. Remember that a poster is really an illustrated, highly visual abstract. Attendees will have very little time to visit all the posters during the poster session. And um, these sessions often run concurrently with lunch breaks. So you want to attract their attention and encourage them to stop and get a quick overview of your poster. Next, you need to give some thought to your likely audience and consider how familiar your audience is going to be with your research area. So what is their, their background relative to your research uh, project? And uh, you need to tailor both the content and the language of your poster to your audience so that they can digest what you're saying and provide constructive criticism and ask thought-provoking questions. To help you prepare for your audience, you should also consider the scope of the conference. So if you're at, um, attending a cross-disciplinary conference where the audience may be less familiar uh, with your area of research, uh, you may want to make your content more accessible by avoiding things like jargon and simplifying complex concepts. If you're going to a conference that's more specific to your research area, um, you probably do not need to include as much background information. So you should prepare for the best visitor experience possible by anticipating what your audience knows or may not know. Remember, space is limited on your poster, so you can't give a lengthy background um, to satisfy all audience types, but always be prepared to answer more general or specific questions depending on the scope of your conference, of the conference you're attending. Then you move on to consider what it is you want to say, the story you're going to tell. 
Even if you have multiple projects in the lab, choose only one to present your, um, on your poster. And uh, your mentor can help you uh, make this decision. Start by jotting down what the central question is that you're trying to answer. Once you've established the central question you're trying to answer and want to address in your poster, keep this in mind throughout the design process so that you have a firm structure on which to hang uh, the other elements of your poster. Um, you are an expert of your research project, but make sure that you brush up on your literature before you start designing your post and before you go to the conference. One important reason for this is related to the point I made on the previous slide about the scope of the conference that you're attending. You want to establish relevance of your research so that it appeals to and is, is relevant to as many visitors to your post as possible. So you may need to do a bit more reading um, around real-world relevance of your research, such as implications for disease progression or potential therapeutic applications and so on, depending again on the scope of the conference and who your likely audience is going to be. Now that we've established who do you, your audience is likely to be, uh, which project you're going to focus on, and, and what your central question is, you can begin to plan your content. To help you plan your content, you should answer these three questions. What is the central takeaway message? In other words, what is the most important, interesting, astounding fact um, uh, finding from, from your research project? Next, what, uh, what should I show? In other words, how can I visually share my, uh, my research? Um, for example, should I use charts, graphs, photos, images? And choose your content wisely here and remember that less is more. Next, what should I say? In other words, what kind of information can I convey during my talk uh, that will complement my poster? Then you go on to make a list of likely section headings for your poster, and we'll re we'll review these in more detail uh, in more detail a bit later. But in almost all scientific posters, you'll find that there's a title, an introduction, methods, results, conclusions, references, and acknowledgments section. So sketch a plan for your poster. It's important um, uh, uh, to do this step, and then this is often overlooked. Um, because uh, it can provide you with a first rough visualization of your poster content. Um, it shouldn't contain any, any um, uh, content itself or data, but rather just enable you to visualize the dimensions of your poster and, and its various sections. So now that you've more, you're more or less clear on the contents of your poster, you can begin the process of actually designing it. And that's what we're going to focus on in the second part of this webinar. We'll be looking at um, things like elements of a well-designed poster, and then we'll move through the various steps in the design process, um, such as deciding on uh, which software to use, all the way through to um, considerations for when it comes to printing your poster. So what are the elements of a well-designed poster? Well, top of the list is that your research must be clearly and concisely presented. Your poster should also be eye-catching and consistency should be maintained throughout your poster. Things like your figures are matched in style, weight, size, and, and that color usage is consistent. Your poster should not be cluttered. White or open space is, is really important on a poster and it will make your poster more readable. Your poster um, should be easy to navigate with a natural and obvious flow um, so that the viewer knows where to go next. Um, 
you should have made use of effective um, use of, of colors on your poster and, 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 and not go overboard with color because this can really be off-putting. You should also address uh, hidden disability issues like color blindness and dyslexia. And there should be a good balance between text and graphics on your poster to make it more easy on the eye. Um, a good poster also uses summary graphics to convey key messages. So this is a great way to cut down on text density. Um, it's important that your poster can be read in about five to 10 minutes from five feet away, and that you can present your poster in five minutes at a comfortable conversational pace. Finally, it's important to note that abstracts are usually not included in academic posters, but it's important to check with the conference guidelines. So moving on to software. So at conferences nowadays, you'd be hard pressed to find a poster that's made in the traditional way with many pieces of paper taped together or glued onto a poster board. Uh, my first poster when I was doing my PhD was actually exactly like that. Um, instead, instead uh, posters are now designed entirely on a computer and then printed on a large uh, commercial printer. And there are many software options uh, you can use for putting your poster together. Um, your institute's graphic department, graphics department can, uh, should be able to guide you through the, the, the best software to use, particularly since they'll probably be printing um, your, uh, your poster for you. And it's a very good idea to check with whoever is going to print your poster about software compatibility, color formatting requirements, and image and graphic resolution requirements, and also what file format you need to provide your final poster for um, when it goes to printing. Um, for example, a press-ready PDF file generated from the progr program that you're going to use. So most posters are created using Microsoft PowerPoint, which is easy to use. And uh, the chances are that you already uh, have it on your computer, know how to use it well. But there are also uh, more advanced software packages um, that you can consider that are also user-friendly, but may require some additional training on your part. So these include the uh, Adobe Creator Suite um, programs such as Adobe Illustrator and Adobe InDesign and also uh, Corel Draw. And you may also consider using open source alternatives such as OpenOffice, um, uh, which is a free alternative to Microsoft Office and Impress is the, uh, the PowerPoint alternative there. As I mentioned on the, um, the, the previous slide, uh, summary and overview graphics are a great way to convey key messages or to distill complex concepts on your poster. And there are several online tools that you could use to design these graphics, such as uh, BioRender and uh, Canva. BioRender um, includes uh, pre-made icons and templates for many fields of life sciences, so it's uh, really well worth exploring. Uh, uh, for these types of, of figures for your poster. So now we come to some of the design principles for your poster, beginning with uh, layout. And it's important that your readers can navigate your post and follow the logical progression of your work. Um, so the, the conference guidelines will dictate the orientation and size of your poster. Most academic conferences require an A1 or a zero size, uh, a zero size poster. Um, and here are some of the, um, the formats that you could consider. The most important um, consideration here is that your layout must help the viewer navigate your story. 
Um, so you can choose either um, two or uh, three or four column layouts. Uh, and in all cases, the idea is the same, that the reader will navigate the poster column by column and from left to right. And that's the natural way that people expect to read. Um, we suggest a, a three um, or a four column uh, layout for a landscape poster and no more than two columns for a portrait layout. We hope you're enjoying this episode of Listen In from Bite Size Bio. To access the visuals of this webinar, please see the episode description for a link to the full presentation. Another commonly used and effective style um, is uh, using a large central box. Um, and this is often used for displaying all your figures. It's important to um, avoid, uh, avoid clutter on your poster because it can make it very difficult for your audience to navigate your poster and for you to highlight the most important data. So if items go together, put them close to each other, but avoid cluttering them. Um, and also use your grid line feature on your software to help you align your sections, columns, text, and figures so that they look neat and are evenly distributed and uh, limit your use of boxes and lines around text and images. Um, you can still achieve uh, an orderly looking poster with, um, with, with background space. So continuing uh, with layout is the all important consideration of flow, which I've already touched on. And it's important um, to know how people read things, um, which I've already alluded to. So native English uh, people expect to read from the upper left corner um, down successive columns to the lower right. And the flow of your poster uh, should be natural and obvious to the reader to guide the reader's eye, um, as shown in, in, in these examples um, over here. Um, so use your layout to tell the reader where to go next. And by laying out your poster in an, in an organized way, you can force your reader's eyes to travel uh, where you want. Space is also a very important consideration. Uh, you need to let the information on your poster breathe. Um, a, a common problem like um, the, the poster in the bottom right over here is that all the poster's elements are crammed too tightly into space. And it's natural to want to make the most out of the limited space that you have, but cramming everything in like this makes your poster look very cluttered. So try to keep 40% um, of your poster area free from text or images. Um, open space um, around uh, paragraphs and um, around uh, section titles and, and between lines um, helps the post, uh, your poster uh, be more appealing and digestible, uh, digestible like this poster on the top right over here. And leaving a reasonable amount of open space between columns and um, around your titles prevents the reader from becoming overwhelmed or intimidated by text density and quantity of information on your poster. So as a general guide, um, this table provides the approximate proportions or balance of text to figures to, to space for either um, qualitative or quantitative studies. And in both cases, you can see that the recommended uh, open space is around 40%. So it is a challenge, but allowing your poster content to breathe will help your audience navigate and digest your poster more easily. Right, so now let's um, have a look at the various sections that you're likely 
to include in your in your poster and uh, here is a, a mock-up of the main section that one tends to uh, find included in your poster so a short title um, is important and be creative and come up with a title that includes relevant keywords to help uh, passers-by quickly recognize if they're interested in your poster the title section should also include the authors and affiliations and, and any logos but try to avoid too many institutional um, logos uh, in your title section and also rather not include photos of your research building or your campus if you, if you can. Uh, then we have the introduction and here you need to be concise, refer to the central question or hypothesis um, and try to use an overview graphic. Um, which is a, a really great way to um, to introduce your work. Then you have the, the method, methods section, and uh, this should be concise and an overview of your methods instead of including um, detailed protocols, and ideally include a, a flow diagram to explain the methodology. Uh, then you have your results section, and this is really where all the action is. Um, try to include five results figures or less, and only include the most important data that are critical to support your conclusion. Um, the discussion is uh, very often combined with the results section and is used to support the results and to provide a bit more insight and relevance to your findings. So um, use short sentences and include summary graphics uh, to illustrate uh, complex concepts. And then you have your conclusion, which is where you highlight your take uh, your take home messages. And, uh, and then finally, you have your acknowledgements where you mention all, um, all the support um, that you have from funders and colleagues and any important uh, reagent that you, reagents that you're being gifted uh, from collaborators. And of course, there are other sections that you could include in your poster, and we'll go through all of those um, in subsequent slides in a bit more detail. Now let's look at each section in a bit more detail, starting with the all important title. So as I said, be creative. Um, if you think of manuscript titles, they're often uh, formulaic and a bit dull because they describe the basic findings of your research. But with your poster, you can be um, a lot more creative and come up with a catchy title containing the relevant keywords to help your audience quickly recognize whether they're interested in your poster or not and keep your title short and to the point. The purpose is to grab a passerby's attention while also letting them know what they can expect when they visit. Remember that um, uh, attendees often scan through the abstract booklet before a conference. So this is your, um, also your chance to, to grab their attention. The title section should also include um, the uh, authors and their affiliations, but not their street address and try not to clutter the top of your poster with too many logos or images of your of your institute, as I said. Now moving on to the introduction, remember who your audience are. We covered this earlier and also what the scope of your conference is um, and include enough information to help them understand your central question um, and uh, and background is, is, is important here. Outline um, your, your background in the context of other published and primary literature. Um, and you may even consider highlighting your central question in your, in your introduction in bold or in color, as long as it's short and the question is framed appropriately. Uh, 
and this can help the viewer immediately understand what your poster is about. Um, avoid long paragraphs and consider using a figure or an overview diagram. A nice image can, can really help to draw people in. And the introduction of a poster is a wonderful place to display a photograph or an illustration that visually communicates some aspects of your central research question. Now onto the methods section. And uh, you, you should use this, this section to help uh, the viewer understand your experimental approach to your central question. You don't need to detail every step, um, provide enough uh, um, detail uh, in, in, instead of including detailed protocols and briefly describe um, experimental equipment and procedures, uh, but not uh, with the detail that you would use in a manuscript, for example. A great consideration here is to use a figure or a flow diagram to visually explain your methodology like a flow chart to illustrate um, uh, experimental design. And you should also mention any st statistical analyses that were used in your experiments and remember to convey them appropriately in your results figures. So now we come to where the action is, the results section. And it's important to note here that the results section can be styled as uh, results and discussion. Uh, and, indeed, and indeed, quite often the discussion section is omitted completely from a poster. Remember that you don't need to include every experiment that you've done in, the, in your particular project. So be selective in the results that you include in your poster and only describe the results that help to address your central question and that will help you to deliver your take-home message. Um, always keep your other results close to hand in case you're asked about them and include important control experiments or have them ready to show if asked. And um, refer to your figures in your supporting text and keep your text as concise as possible using bullet points where appropriate and use your supporting text to provide more insight and relevance to your finding. Um, you should provide engaging and descriptive figure titles and legends uh, so that your figures could stand alone on their own. In other words, the titles and legends describe the result fully and adequately to the reader if they happen to skip um, through all the previous sections in your poster. And so, for example, uh, the title Western Blot of Protein Kinase C is not very helpful um, on, or descriptive, but protein kinase C activity is down-regulated after drug treatment um, is much more descriptive and, and helpful to uh, a visitor to your poster. Consider the readability of your graphs and your figures as a whole. Cut out any relevant information and labels on graphs or parts of an image and use arrows or boxes to help direct attention to relevant parts of your graphs or images. And then take a step back and double check your, um, for readability. Axes and labels can often be too small to read from a distance. So now we come to the climax of your poster, the conclusions. And very often the title of your poster is read first and then the reader will skip straight to the conclusion to determine if they want to see your whole poster. So it's important to try and convince the visitor why the outcome um, of your, of your project is interesting to them. So use two to three bullet points to help summarize what you found and what your take home message is. <clears throat> Remind the reader of the, the major results of your, of your project and briefly state whether your hypothesis was supported. 
Um, you could mention any alternative ex explanation for um, unanticipated results and state the relevance of your finding to, um, to other published work and also relevance to real world issues like therapeutic implications or disease relevance. Um, summary diagram is very helpful in the conclusion section as well. And finally, you could also add a, a sentence or two on any future directions of your research. Now let's look at some of the remaining sections and op optional add-ons or props that you might want to include in your, um, in your poster presentation. Firstly, your cited references. You should list any references that are cited in your poster and format them in a short form. For example, first author et al, followed by the year, the journal name, the volume and the page number. Um, for your acknowledgements, thank individuals for specific contributions, such as equipment and reagent donation, um, and uh, anyone that helped you with statistical advice, laboratory assistance, and also try to mention um, your, um, uh, your, uh, your funders in, in this section. You may also need to include a section on disclosures for any conflicts of interest, so check with your mentor about this. You could also um, consider using a footer um, section on your poster. Um, and here you can insert your references, your contact information, funder logos, and it's generally more acceptable that, um, uh, that the font in the footer section is much smaller than other sections on your poster. So you can include a lot more information in the footer. And, um, and uh, this can also help you to make your poster more engaging. So for example, you could include a QR code in the footer section of your poster. And there are many other ways uh, to make your, your poster more engaging, and I'll touch on these later. But uh, a QR code, for example, is one relatively easy option to, to link from your poster to a paper or to another resource, such as a database that you've built to house all the data that you've generated in your project, or even to a downloadable version of your poster. The possibilities are endless there. So let's just have a, um, a, a quick look at, at text. And when it comes to text in general, it's important to remember that your poster is a visual abstract. So whenever possible, reinterpret text as charts, graphs, or illustrations. Um, and less text is, is more. So limit the density of text on your poster and use bullet points and short sentences and paragraphs and use emphasis sparingly. And on the subject of emphasis, use italics instead of underlining and also avoid all caps for emphasis. Um, all caps can be very difficult to read. When using bullet points, uh, use simple styled bullet points such as um, these over here and use the hanging indent uh, for all bulleted information because this helps to make your bullet points appear neater and stand out a bit more. Make legibility of your text your top priority and I'll cover text size uh, in a bit more detail shortly but a great way to make different parts of your text um, sections more legible is to use, the text, uh, to use a text hierarchy. And you can, um, such, as, uh, such as this over here, and you can differentiate your text hierarchy by adjusting the text size and style of each level in your hierarchy. Left justify your text and set the line spacing of your text boxes to 1.25. 
doing this is critical if you've used um, super or subscripted text. Um, if you don't, then some lines will have a little extra space in them, and this can be visually distracting. And uh, keep the width of your text boxes within your columns and keep all your text boxes at a consistent width throughout your poster. Otherwise, your text will be visually distracting and your poster will appear unbalanced. So onto fonts. Everybody loves fonts and we all have our favorites, but it's important to remember that not everyone agrees on fonts. And at the end of the day, you want to make your poster as easy to read and digest as possible. So use simple, easy to read fonts and use no more than two or three fonts in your poster. So um, sans or non-serif fonts like, um, like Arial, Corbel and Verdana are generally recommended for your entire poster, as these can be read more clearly from a distance. Um, serifs are the little in, in embellishments or curls at the tops and, and, and bottoms of, of characters to make um, them easier to re, uh, for readers to distinguish uh, between similar looking characters. Um, and uh, serif fonts are uh, preferred in larger bodies of text to help with legibility. So you could consider using serif fonts for your text body, uh, for your text bodies. Um, and really, the, the, the guidelines on posters is, is pretty evenly split, split on this. But um, generally, uh, the recommendation is, is to use sans serif fonts for your entire poster. Never use fonts like uh, Comic Sans or Chiller or Decorative Fonts, because uh, these are impractical and distracting and, and really not appropriate for research posters. And it, when it comes to your choice of fonts, you should also consider hidden disabilities like dyslexia, where um, sans serif fonts are uh, more appropriate. Onto font size. Uh, legibility should be your top priority, as I said. And, and bigger is better. So it's important to pay attention to font size. And for um, optimal leg legibility, keep your fonts for the various sections of your poster within these ranges. So for the main title, 90 plus points, subtitles, 36 to 48 points, text bodies, 28 to 32 points, and references and um, uh, uh, text in your footers, 18 to 24 points. Um, this probably also includes the um, uh, figure legends as well. And again, you, you should do your best to ensure um, disability, disability compliance. And, and these include uh, legible text sizes, but also things like minimizing italics, not using decorative font styles, as I've mentioned, good spacing, um, and and no uh, red and green together and i'll come to the use of uh, color very very shortly so i briefly touched on figures when i was um, discussing the results section but as they're such a crucial part of your poster let's revisit them here in a bit more detail so um aim to make 20 to 40 percent of your poster visual content and use five or less um, figures for your results section uh, obviously you're going to include uh, overview and summary figures as well um, and as i mentioned your figures should should try and stand alone um, particularly your results figures and their titles and legends should be um, as descriptive as possible so that the, the full result um, is, is clear to the reader if they happen to skip through other sections of your poster. And um, 
again, simplify your, your graphs and your charts, uh, removing um, irrelevant uh, labels and text and um, using arrows or boxes to draw attention to more relevant data in, in, in your figures. Choose a balanced color scheme for all your graphs, charts, and maintain that color scheme throughout your poster. And um, use diagrams to illustrate con complex concepts. Consider using summary figures for your discussions and, and your conclusions. Um, I mentioned things like uh, tools like BioRender at the beginning of the talk, which are particularly useful uh, for creating these types of figures. Use meaningful, high-quality images. Your graphics department should be able to advise you on the best parameters for these. Crop and, and edit uh, images so that only the important information is obvious to the viewer. And also balance the figures visually in your poster to make it more, um, more appealing. So instead of having all the figures on the right of your poster, make sure that there's a good balance across your poster. Now onto the topic of color. So you want to make your poster stand out, but you also need to make sure that it's easy on the eye. So use color sparingly. Too many colors can be very distracting and look untidy. Choose a, a color scheme of two to three related colors and maintain it throughout your poster. Two or three related colors will give your poster a more cohesive look. And you can use a color wheel to help identify related colors. In other words, um, those that are next to each other on the color wheel. What about the, your poster background? A distracting background can take away from what should be the, the main focus of your poster, in other words, the data and your story. So try to avoid busy or patterned backgrounds. Use a solid light background instead. This will ensure that your text and your images will stand out against the background better. If you must use a themed background that is relevant to your work, beware of distraction. The use of background images, even ones that have um, a subtle watermark to them um, are really effective and can often be distracting, such as um, this example over here. As I mentioned, it's best to use a solid background um, to ensure that your text and your images stand out um, uh, well. Dark text on a white background is easier for most people to read. And um, careful use of color can also attract attention to a particular area of your poster, such as short passages or a particular figure. But again, use those sparingly. And also remember that some color combinations just don't work. And primary colors such as red, yellow, and blue uh, can overpower your message and makes text, make text difficult to read, as in um, these examples uh, over here. And you should also consider people with hidden disabilities, um, like red, green um, color blindness. And you can test whether you've made a, a mistake in your color choice by running a JPEG file of your poster through um, Koblis, this color blindness simulator. And uh, there's the, the web address over there. You should maintain your carefully uh, chosen color scheme in all your graphs and, and uh, images. Um, so uh, the example is, is uh, over here where the, 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 the color scheme that we've chosen is carried through on both types of, of um, graphs. Also, if your graphs are black and white, 
uh, colored background or borders can help them to stand out. And finally, um, be sure to adjust the color and contrast in any of your colored images, um, images such as microscopy um, images. Um, uh, that's also an important consideration. So how can you make your poster even more engaging? Um, so your poster is yours and you should feel free to add any elements uh, to it to increase its effect, uh, the effectiveness of your message and to make it more engaging. And doing so will also help to dramatically increase the number of people visiting your poster. So simple things like attaching business cards or mini poster printouts in a, in a folder to your poster board is a really great way to start but there are many other ways uh, to make things a bit more interesting for example you could include a include a qr code and i've mentioned this um, already so uh, embedding a qr code on your poster can help you to link to a paper or to a resource or to um, uh, um, your poster, which you've uploaded on SlideShare, for example. And you can also link to videos um, associated with your poster and a lot of other cool stuff. So the possibilities really are, are, are endless here. You could also make use of hidden panels um, to make your poster a bit more interactive. So um, by placing a, um, a, a um, sticking a, a card over a section of your of your results and uh, with a label on it saying lift to reveal results can can make your poster a bit more um, more interesting and you can use things like doodles and sticky notes uh, to make your poster a bit more interactive so with doodles you can um, paste a transparent sheet over your results and then use uh, non-permanent marker pens to doodle on your results while you're um, presenting your poster and then you can rub off the um, the ink once uh, once you're finished and sticky notes to to add suggestions or comments to um, to your poster you can also make use of 3D images if that's appropriate to your research and you can attach a pair of 3D viewing glasses to your poster so that they can view these images. Um, you can show movies so for example you can you can uh, attach an iPad uh, to your poster with uh, a movie um, loaded onto it um, and then um, depending on your research project you can also include sound um, or uh, even potentially odors uh, to make um, to make uh, things a bit more interesting. So you're nearly done now. You've created your poster, but there are a few more checks that you need to make before it can go to printing. Firstly, proofread your poster. You don't want any typos or errors in your poster. And uh, you can use the zoom function on your software, zoom right in and scan through your poster from left to right, top to bottom, and then check all the alignments are even, that colors are consistent and that fonts match. Print a test version of your poster. Um, it can appear perfect on your computer screen, but typos may have slipped through. Um, there may be issues with color, with graphics and alignment uh, that you can spot before for printing. Ask your mentor to um, check your, your poster, especially for content issues like mistakes in how one of your data sets, sets is graphically represented um, or one of the conclusions that you've drawn. And ask a colleague to look over your, your test version, uh, particularly someone from another lab group that's not familiar with your project as they may, able to, may be able to spot any inconsistencies in your content.
Take on board everyone's comments about your poster's readability and overall appeal and make the suggested adjustments. Now it's time to get your poster printed and there are a number of considerations here too, such as the material that you um, print your poster on. Your graphics um, uh, department in your institute, should you have one, should be able to advise you on the best options here. Um, request a, a test print from your printer and make any final adjustments, um, uh, including color and, and, and graphics. Low glare um, or low gloss uh, material is best for posters. It makes it, um, them easier to be read from different angles. And remember also that the conference hall is probably going to be very well lit up with fluorescent lighting. So you can, um, you can opt to have your poster printed on paper, canvas or folded fabric, and each has its pros and cons. For example, paper will probably give a, a better printed result compared to uh, canvas or, or, or fabric, uh, but you cannot fold it up like, um, like a fabric poster, for example, it makes it a lot easier for, uh, for transportation. And you need to carry a, a paper poster rolled up in a poster tube. Um, fabric po uh, posters have the advantage that you can you can fold them up, um, for example, within a, an old towel and then pack them into your suitcase. Uh, you may also consider using um, a service to print and have your poster delivered directly to the conference. But exercise caution here and make sure that you've seen a test version and that the company is reliable. And it's probably also a very good idea to store your poster file on the cloud or on a pen drive and take it with you in case you lose your poster during your travels and you need to get it printed again at your conference location. Or at least you can print off some mini versions of your poster as a, as a, as a last resort. If your institute doesn't have a graphics department or a printing service, um, the best alternative is to use some of the available online services, which can even ship your poster directly to your conference hotel or to the conference venue. So now that you've printed your poster, it's time to expertly show off your science. And in the final part of today's webinar, I'm going to take you through the, through the various considerations to make. Um, in, in making your presentation memorable for both you and your audience. And um, so things that we'll look at are, for example, preparing for the big day, how you can ensure that you're in top form on the day of your poster presentation, um, and how you can occupy yourself while you're waiting for visitors to your poster, the actual delivery of your poster, and then finish off with some points to remember after the conference. So designing your poster is only half the challenge. Now it's time to, to reap uh, the, the benefits of all your hard work with a, a well thought out presentation and delivery. Um, so think of your poster as a conversation starter. It's an overview and not a comprehensive report of your research. It's also a great opportunity um, for networking and for sharing your, your research. So make the most out of it and uh, use this opportunity to get suggestions and new ideas to network with uh, fellow attendees. Perhaps you'll find uh, new collaborators to your research or even a future boss. So it's really important to deliver an engaging presentation, but have fun at the same time. So what things can you do before you travel to the conference to make your poster presentation experience both valuable and memorable for you and visitors to your poster? 
Firstly, practice your presentation and give yourself plenty of time to get it right. Do a mock practice presentation a few times while standing at your poster. It's different. It's a different experience practicing a presentation while seated or with your poster on a computer screen compared to when you're delivering a mock presentation while standing next to your poster. Practice with a colleague, um, uh, preferably someone uh, from outside your lab group, because if they're already familiar with your work, they won't notice uh, when you skip steps or fail to explain a concept clearly, and they may also spot gaps or mistakes in the logical design of your poster. Anticipate questions that um, audience may, your audience may ask you and be prepared to answer those questions. Other things um, that you can do include updating your LinkedIn profile before the conference, coming prepared with business cards and mini posters and any of the props that you might be using, using Twitter, tweet about your poster before the conference and even at the conference, um, and include when, uh, when your, your poster presentation is, include your poster number and perhaps even a photo of your poster and use the conference hashtag, uh, the hashtag conference name in your tweet too. Don't forget your poster at home. And as I said a few slides back, it's probably a good idea to take an electronic copy of your, of your poster with you, just in case. So how can you prepare for the big day itself? Well, prepare the night before, get a good night's sleep um, and avoid arriving at the venue without your poster by placing it next to your backpack or at your hotel room door the evening before. Um, dress to impress and remember to wear comfortable shoes as you're likely going to be spending quite a few hours on your feet and try to be in a pleasant mood. Um, pack a bottle of water and some energizing snacks to keep you going throughout the session and um, plan your travel route to the conference venue carefully, especially if you're in a foreign city and you need to navigate an unfamiliar transportation system. Arrive early and familiarize yourself with the conference venue. Finding your poster board well ahead of time will ensure that you aren't rushing to put your poster up before the session begins and you've got time to compose yourself. Um, be prepared for how you're going to put your poster up. And um, most well-organized conferences will provide the required material, normally Velcro backings to stick onto the back of your poster, but it's worth um, bringing a few different types of materials with you like Velcro or clips or even pins to hold your poster up just in case. And consider also um, how, how you're going to attach your business cards and your mini poster print-offs and any other props or add-ons that you plan to use during your presentation. So your poster's up, the poster session has started and attendees are milling about the poster hall. How do you go about occupying yourself while you're waiting for visitors to come up to your poster? Hopefully you won't be waiting too long, but there are a few things you can do in the meantime. Firstly, it's not by making a phone call. No one is gonna interact with you if you do that and you may miss an opportunity from a potential visitor. Remember that you probably only have a few seconds to grab any prospective visitor's attention and convince them to stay and explore your poster. You could have a bottle of water in your hand or browse through the abstract booklet. Nod and greet anyone who walks past your poster. They might be a bit shy, but if you greet them, they may feel a bit more at ease and come over. You could also find a wingman, someone to talk to like a lab colleague who's also attending the conference. Small crowds tend to attract others, so having someone at your poster may attract others to visit yours too. Likewise, play 
show me yours, I'll show you mine. Take an interest in a poster next to yours or opposite yours and then offer to run through yours. Again, this may attract others to your poster. So a lot of scientists really hate presenting posters, and this is because more often than not, you stand at your poster, which you've spent a lot of time creating, all alone, while there's a crowd gathered two posters down. However, it's important to stay at your poster, be patient and commit to your poster session. Always be available at or near your poster. Don't abandon it or hide around the corner. You never know who might stop to read it. You really don't want to miss this great networking opportunity while you're around the corner making a phone call or tucking into your lunch. If you really must leave your poster for any length of time, pin a note to the poster board to say that you'll be back shortly. It's also really important that you don't take it personally if you don't get a large audience visiting your poster. There are a lot of reasons why your poster may not be visited, which will have nothing to do with the quality of your work. Finally, if you can leave your poster up after the poster session, bring a business card, um, pin your business cards or a folder with uh, your mini posters to the poster board. That way, anyone who really wants to get in touch with you about your poster will still have an opportunity to reach out after the poster session. Okay, it's showtime. This is what you've been building up for and practicing for the delivery of your poster presentation. So someone has taken an interest in your poster and now this is your opportunity to dazzle them. Firstly, timing is everything. Tell your story through the figures on your poster in five minutes at a comfortable conversational pace. Make sure that you're 100% comfortable talking your way through your entire poster from start to finish, but also from any point in the middle of your poster. People might want to look over at your poster themselves and only ask questions when they get to a part they don't understand. So be ready to jump in at any point. Also, if you take too long to present your poster, um, you may leave your audience a bit bored, uncomfortable and searching for a way out. The first time you present your poster will, will probably be the most difficult. So treat this as a warm up and you should get more comfortable as the session progresses. Be confident and enthusiastic and may make eye contact. Welcome new uh, viewers as they approach and introduce yourself offer to take them through your poster. If you don't appear enthusiastic about your poster, why should your audience? It's also important not to turn your back on your audience. Keep an open stance and point out relevant sections of your poster off to your side. Observe your audience for cues and changes in their body language and adapt your delivery appropriately, like changing the tone of your voice slightly or explaining things more carefully and, and using less jargon. Simple jargon like the name of a cell line could be plain speaking to you, but it means nothing to your audience if they've never heard of it before. So be very clear and adapt your presentation on the go according to what your audience is responding best to. Tailor your presentation to each viewer and know when to avoid jargon. You could also briefly inquire about their background or interest in the subject. You should also have a notepad handy and make a point of jotting out, jotting down any useful suggestions. So that's it really. Um, if you follow these tips, you'll be a poster presenting pro in no time. So finally, you've come back home and you've fully recovered from your travels and there are a few things that you should consider. 
Firstly, if you promise to follow up with any new contacts that you met uh, during your poster session or at the conference, then be polite and get back to them as soon as possible, especially while any conversations that you had are still fresh in your mind and theirs. And remember to thank anyone who gave you some useful suggestions. Secondly, check through your notes from the conference, both from your poster session, but also from um, other poster sessions that you visited, and also talks you listened to, and discuss any interesting topics and contacts with your lab colleagues. And if you were lucky enough to get um, some really great advice on how you can improve your experiments, then don't delay, get into the lab and get stuck in. Finally, don't forget to update your CV. So thank you very much for your time. I hope you found this presentation helpful and best of luck with your next poster presentation. I'm happy to take any questions and I'll do my best to answer as many as I can, but I'll also make, uh, make sure that I follow up on any unanswered questions by email afterwards. Well, thank you, Adam. That was an excellent presentation. Um, we've had lots of questions in from the audience, so we're going to kick off with those. But if anyone else has a question, please feel free to pop them into the Q&A box um, in the bottom, and we'll do our very best to get to them. And as Adam says, if there are any outstanding questions when we get to the end of time, we'll follow up with them on email. Um, so first question, Adam, um, where can I find templates for creating my poster in PowerPoint? Uh, thanks, Jen. Uh, yeah. Um... It's uh, a, a great question. Uh, my advice would be first, um, ch check with uh, people in your lab, colleagues, um, especially senior postdocs. There's a good chance that they've, uh, you know, presented uh, posters at conferences and that they have uh, a template uh, on their computer already. Uh, so, so check with your colleagues in the lab. Um, if you're lucky enough and your institute has a, a graphics department, they've probably done many posters before, and uh, there might be an institutional template that you could use, so that's another option. Uh, but I mean, if, if any of those fail, you just need to Google. Uh, Google um, uh, research poster templates for PowerPoint. Um, I can assure you that there, there, there are many out there, and most of those will um, have taken into account many of the aspects that I, I pointed out. Um, in, in, in the presentation today. Great, thank you very much, Adam. Um, okay, we've had another question in from Ahmed. What's the difference between quantitative and qualitative poster? You mentioned this on the slide about space. Oh, yes. Um, yeah, I should probably have mentioned that when I was uh, uh, um, discussing that table. Um, uh, really, in a nutshell, a qual qualitative research is research that generates textual data non-numerical uh, whereas quantitative research is is more about numerical data and information that can be converted into numbers and then in, into charts so uh, qualitative research i would say is uh, these are studies that um, are more exploratory for example during the pilot stage of a research project um, to dis discover um, in-depth understanding um, and uh, are things like interviews and surveys and, and that type of thing. Um, whereas quantitative research really, um, uh, you know, specifies uh, uh, information that is measured, how it's measured, uh, to look at, at, at patterns and, and, you know, provide insights, for example, into the effects or outcomes of treatments. Uh, so it's a lot more structured than, than qualitative methods. And, and hence, in quantitative posters, you're going to have more 
figures to text compared to uh, qualitative yeah Great. Thank you very much. That's really helpful. Um, okay, and we've had a question about pitching posters. So if you have a mix of scientists, um, so more established scientists and also students, um, how do you best pitch the content of the poster? Well, that's always going to be the challenge, isn't it? Um, you know, uh, you know, I mentioned the scope of the conference. Uh, my advice would always be, you know, aim to to um design your poster with content uh for a knowledgeable audience that is not directly in your field of 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 specialism um and and you know it, and 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 that in itself is a challenge and, and you're never going to get it absolutely right but i mean the important thing to remember is that if your poster is approachable and, and someone um you know is interested in it you're going to be there on hand to answer any questions you know so um and th and that's part of the fun of of poster sessions is that it's engaging with with someone standing in front of you so if they don't understand something you're going to be able to answer um their questions and be prepared to answer those types of questions. Great. Um, and I guess the, the next question is kind of a bit of a follow up to that or related question. And it says, is it always necessary to prepare the poster as a kind of hybrid of a published poster and an oral presentation? What would your advice be for that, Adam? Um, look, I would always say, you know, you've, 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 you've got your poster up, be prepared to, to talk through it with uh, with someone so always have um you know a, a five minute um uh, or so a presentation uh, ready to to take someone through through your poster um you know a, again poster sessions are about um, getting feedback and interacting with with scientists in your field uh, or even better um, someone that's not directly in your field because sometimes you can get some really great ideas from from people um, that that are not I am um, you know completely familiar with uh, with you with your uh, specialist area um, but yeah I, I would say always have uh, a short presentation ready um, to to take someone through. Uh, a lot of people are happy just to look through a poster and then and then just walk off without even asking asking any questions, and that's fine. But um, have something ready, just uh, you know, uh, uh, um, to, to to help start an engaging conversation. Great. Thank you very much, Adam. Um, okay, the next question from Isitu. Um, to overcome word limits, adapting detailed paragraphs and statistical tables into bullets and charts is normally um, a quick fix, but sometimes that can make it harder for the audience to quickly grasp the key points of the poster. Um, have you got any advice for overcoming that challenge? Well, um, yeah, I mean, there again, that, that is a challenge. The, the most important thing to remember is you can't have your poster text heavy. A text heavy poster is is a turn off. It 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 looks intimidating. Um, so you know so so it's important to make sure that your poster is approachable. I've said that already. Um, so uh, you know and and again remember you're standing there. You're going to be there the whole time. So um, you know anything that that's unclear. 
um, to, to a viewer, um, you know, and, and if, if, if they're looking a bit confused and you can tell by body language, um, you know, then, then, then say, is there a particular aspect of, of you know, the, the, the conclusions that you, that you don't understand and then talk it through with them. Uh, you're the expert, so, you know, you should be able to, to, to make things uh, clear to them. But overall, um, keep the text down on your poster. Great advice. Thanks, Adam. Um, I guess I suppose again on a, on a kind of related um, point, um, what do you think about combining the discussion and the conclusion sections instead of having them as separate topics? Would that be something you would advise or would you want to steer away from that? Well, absolutely. Uh, I think um, the first thing to check is some conferences do are quite specific that you've got to have certain sections in a poster and if that's the case stick to that uh, the reason for that is um, for example there might be poster competitions and uh, you know you don't want to get marked down by the people judging your poster um, because we all like winning um, you know competitions so you don't want to get marked down if you skipped out a section that you should have had um, but if there's no uh, a specific guideline on exactly which sections you should have, then then I would say, yep, uh, by all means, uh, you know, uh, to 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 help with the flow, you can say, for example, combine discussion with results, or you can combine combine the discussion with your conclusions. I mean, at the end of the day, uh, a discussion is there to provide a bit more insight to the data that you're presenting. Whereas the conclusion places it in a larger uh, a context of other published data and, and to help uh, get your takeaway message. But um, yeah, combining discussion and conclusion is, is certainly, I've seen many posters like that, yeah. Great, thank you. Um, and I know you touched on this in the presentation, Adam, but um, do you think it's advisable to always prepare handouts to distribute to interested viewers? Um, well, uh, advisable uh look it's entirely up to you um i think it's it's a great idea um you know you can you can actually uh, if you want you can include a bit more information in your printouts um you know so you could make a double-sided and include a bit more uh detail on um you know your methods or uh, show some control results that you didn't show on your on your poster and um Remember, a poster session is uh, what normally runs for about an hour. Um, so not everyone's going to get a chance to, to, to visit your poster. Um, and uh, you can't always leave your poster up after the poster session. Some conferences specify that you've got to take it down as the you know as soon as the poster session's finished. So having printouts is is a great way to um, you know, uh, for, you know, people to get a copy of, of your poster um, and then potentially uh, come back to you with, with questions after the conference and uh, who knows, even set up a, a really fruitful uh, collaboration uh, and make sure that your contact details are on your printout as well. That's really important, as well as your poster. Absolutely. Thanks, Adam. Um, we've had a few questions about asking if the recorded copy of the presentation is going to be available. And the answer to that is yes, we will make the webinar available um, in due course to everyone. So look out for that in your inboxes. Um, 
Okay, Adam, we've had another question in, um, and this is a great one, I think. Um, what if you have unpublished research on your poster um, and you don't want people to photograph it? How would you deal with that situation? Ah, oh, yeah, that is, a, um, that is a tricky one. I think the first thing to do is, you know, obviously your, your mentor should, should see your poster before, before it's printed. So have a discussion with your mentor about unpublished research or research that you're going to be publishing pretty shortly. Um, you know, they'd be able to best advise. I mean, um, I know one of the things that I did throughout my research career was I always aimed to um, show data that was sort of at or very near um, publication, you know, or published already. Um, and, you know, if, you, if you've got your, your paper ready to submit, um, then, you know, then then that's you know that that takes a, a lot of the risk out of it i mean i think the reason that this question was asked is what happens if someone else steals my idea um you know that they're working on a very uh, a similar similar research project um so you know so, so that's one way to do it um but very very importantly is have that discussion with your mentor they should be able to advise you best um, there's other things you can do uh, which are um you know for example example um i mentioned um you know so if you don't want for example people to photograph your poster then um you could uh, you, you're in, absolutely entitled to put a little note at the bottom of your poster board saying um please don't photograph this poster chat with me instead um you know at the end of the day that's what a, a poster session's for it's about interaction i have seen been at conferences where people just walk around and photograph posters without even going up to the the um the presenter you know so you you can do that and there's other things you can do, um, uh, you know, that are a bit more subtle, perhaps like you could use um, when I was talking about making your poster a bit more engaging, you could use hidden panels. So you could, for example, um, hide your most sensitive data behind a, a panel um, that makes the post interactive. So someone's actually got to come up and lift the panel to see the results. And um, if that happens, then that immediately opens up a discussion because you can you can say, well, you know, is this data interesting to you? And uh, well, let's have a discussion about it, you know. Um, so, yeah, it, it's a tricky one um, with uh, with posters, but uh, um, I hope that answers the question. Yeah, I think there was some great advice in there, Adam. Thank you. Um, we've had another question from Amandeep. Um, what do you think is the optimum delivery time for presenting a poster? Right. That is important. And um, I would say uh, prepare your the oral side of your presentation to be mo no more than five minutes, uh, you know, but uh, not rushing through it. So it needs to be at a conversational pace, uh, comfortable, uh, but not more than five minutes. I think, um, you know, uh, you, you, you don't want to start your audience, your audience start getting bored um, and, uh, you know, looking for a way uh, to to escape um, when, when you're delivering a 15 minute presentation, you know, and remember as well um, is that uh, many times at, at posters, uh, at, at conferences, the poster session is scheduled during lunch breaks. So people have been sitting at oral talks all morning. They've had one tea break and they want to go and grab a bite to eat. So, um, you know, uh, try and, 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 and keep it to five minutes, I would say. 
Great, thank you. And then following on from that, what would you do um, if a second viewer arrived while you were in the middle of your presentation? How would you kind of deal with that, do you think? <laughs> yeah, well, uh, I mean, I would say that's a good place to be to start with, you know, um, that you've got uh, someone else coming up. Um, I think, okay, well, it depends where you are in your in your presentation. If you've just started, then, you know, just say to the person that, that, that arrived first, would you mind if I, I just skip back and, and, and start over again? Uh, but if you're sort of halfway through, then I would always um, nod and greet the person that's just come up and say, you'll be with them uh, very shortly and finish, um, you know, uh, uh, the, the, uh, the presentation with the person that arrived first. Um, you know, if the, if the second person that arrived is really interested, they'll probably hang around and listen to 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 what you you you're saying to the to the person, and remember to have that open stance so that you you're including both of them, um, and they'll they'll hear what you, what you're saying in the latter part of your presentation, and then you you can probably uh, adapt um, how how you interact with the second person um, uh, to you know to sort of um summarize what the the start of the post is and then go down go through to the conclusions and you know and have that conversation that's um th that's really all the art of tailoring your presentation obviously if um you know if someone really important like a a nobel laureate for example or uh, perhaps someone that you're hoping to apply for a, a future job with comes up um you know, you obviously want to give them attention, but at the end of the day, remember that if you just suddenly stop and ignore the person that you're that you were presenting to, that's not going to look very good to the person that's just come up, is it? So, um, yeah. So there's ways of dealing with that, and uh, th that's all about tailoring your presentation as well. Great, thank you, Adam. Um, okay, another question from Abra: When someone asks you to summarize your poster in a few words, what do you think are the most important things to explain? Yeah, that's a tough so, question. <laughs> yeah, well, actually, I think the thing is, uh, in a few words, you know, um, point to uh, the central question. You know, highlighting the title, the central question that you're that that that, that you're aiming to answer. Um, highlight uh, the most important uh, bits of data. Um, you know, but without going into too much detail, and then then get straight to your take home message. And I think um, in a short summary, it's probably good to try and um, uh, place those uh, those take home messages into some kind of context. Um, you know, I mean, they may ask for a short summary, but there's no harm in you saying, you know, very briefly, well, what is your background before before you 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 go into that short summary, because that way you can you can try and 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 frame um, the, uh, the 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 take home message with more relevance to them. Um, so I think that's uh, that's probably um, how you deal with that. Yeah. And that's really helpful. Thanks, Adam. Um, okay, and this kind of goes back to one of the, the earlier slides. This is a question from Kira. What do you think is the best organization for an A0 format poster? So I think A0 is the largest, um, and it depends on, um, you know, which is great. Uh, um, but it depends on the orientation again. So um, if it's if it's landscape, um, I would say, um, uh, uh, four columns no more than that 
but, but, but you know, A0 is, is, is pretty big. So, um, you know, you, you, you can, uh, you can get a lot on there, but I'd say four columns and, you know, and remember that you do have the option of using the, the, the big open boxes as, uh, as well. Um, one thing I would say about A0 is if your post is in portrait um, and the poster boards, which, um, you know, is, are, are, will be portrait layout as well, remember that um, you don't want people bending down to look at, you know, to, to, to try and see the bottom of the poster. So try and have uh, um, the, think about the, 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 how someone's going to be standing and looking at, at, at a very large portrait poster and try and have the most central, um, uh, most important data um, at, at eye level, if you can. Um, yeah, so I think that's great. Thank you. It looks like we've just got a couple more questions. Mm -hmm. um, so we've had one in from Sankar. Um, is it necessary to necessary to explain the complete methodology in the poster? No, not at all. Um, you 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 want to be as concise as possible, um, and uh, you know, and if you can use flow diagrams, but not um, the the detailed protocols. Uh, no no one re is really going to want to look through detailed protocols. This is not like a, a published article in a journal, um, you know. So uh, by all means, have that information ready. You could have it on your mini poster printouts, you know, your more detailed uh, protocols, um, uh, or you know, take the email address. And if, if so, for example, someone said, "Well, I'm really interested in your methodology." Well, you know, get the email email address or swap swap emails and then the the two of you can start up a conversation after the conference um but so so be prepared to go into that detail but don't have it on the post itself and if you want to describe it a detailed protocol uh, try and do it visually with a flow diagram Great, thank you. That's really, really helpful. And I think like lots of these questions are kind of coming back to follow up, aren't they? And how important it is to follow up. So like you say, always make sure you take people's email addresses and get in contact with them after the conference. Absolutely, yeah. Grant, and it looks like this is our last question, Adam. Mm. Um, and it's coming from Lizzie. And it is, can I use images from the internet on my poster? What would your advice be for that? Mm. Um, well, no is the answer um, uh, in general. Um, what I would say is if in doubt, uh, don't, um, and rather draw or redraw um, the images yourself, uh, you know, for example, using the, the, the tools that, that I described, uh, and, um, you know, like buyer, render and, and Canva. Uh, it, it is, uh, you know, against the law to take pictures and videos and sound files if you were going to use sound uh, uh, that you find on the internet and use them on your poster, even if you credit the resource. So, um, you know, uh, you should only use copyright cleared images um, or, or create your own. Um, and, you know, if, if you want to use a particular image from an organization's website, then you need to seek permission from them, you know. Um, so if you start early enough, which you, you know, which is um, uh, uh, one of the things that you should consider, then you might have enough time to do that. Um, and, uh, you know, if you're doing a search on Google, you can, you can search by, by usage rights. Um, and, uh, you know, but 
be very uh, clear and uh, clearly read uh, what those usage rights are. Uh, there, there are sites, um, uh, websites, for example, FreePick, which um, hold royalty-free images, which you can use, but um, you should also check what attribution requirements are required for those. But I would say, if in doubt, draw or redraw your own figures. Um, yeah. Great. That's great advice there, Adam. Thank you. And I think that was our last question. So that brings us to the end of our webinar, everyone. And thank you again, Adam, for a really illuminating presentation and a great discussion from the audience. There was some really good advice there. And finally, thanks to you and the audience for taking the time to attend and listen in. Please remember to visit the Science Writer Academy page at sciencewriteracademy.bitesizebio.com. And I'm just posting that into the chat for you now. Um, where you can um, see all the other courses we've got lined up for you, um, including our next event, which is titled What is Science Writing? And that's going to be taking place on the 10th of February um, at 10 a.m. GMT. And if you're interested in a career in science writing, but you're not aware of the whole range of opportunities out there, then this next course is for you. Um, we're going to cover the different types of science writing, um, how you can break into various fields, the importance of building a portfolio, and also how we at Bytesize Bio can help you achieve your science writing dreams. Um, so registration for this event is going to open very shortly, so that's one for the diaries for all of you. Um, but until next time, good luck in your writing and goodbye from all of us here at the Bite Size Bioscience Writer Academy. So thank you, everyone. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Listening from Bite Size Bio. To view the full presentation of this webinar or to browse the Listening series, please see the episode description for links. Finding the right mentor can make all the difference in your research journey. But what if you don't have one? Look no further than Mentors at Your Benchside, the podcast that offers curated advice from experienced researchers on lab skills, techniques, and career progression. With short, easy-to-access episodes, you can get the help you need to succeed in the lab. Visit bitesizebio.com forward slash podcasts or search for Mentors at Your Benchside in your podcast app to subscribe and get help and advice from seasoned scientists.